0: And 5 now. Wow, gosh, really getting up there. Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. You can play along with Canon Volume 5 as we continue into this new year with Sunset Overdrive in our next issue. We'll be following that up with Street Fighter Zero, the Alpha series, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, continuing our dive back into Hyrule Historia, uh, Deus Ex, that is the original Deus Ex, and Catherine, the bizarre little atlas gem on the PS3 and 360 you can head to canorince.com for the full schedule that is for the rest of 2016 I believe we've we've gone all the way out through the rest of the year so we've got a lot ahead of us and uh, a few kind of longer games um, and hitting around the summertime late spring early summer so if you want to play along with us and those might be worth kind of looking into a little bit early, just to give yourself enough time. On CanerRents.com, we also have our uh, our blog with some pretty excellent um, contributions recently from some new contributors. Go and check those out. Some really interesting stuff from some very talented writers. We're very happy to have writing for the team now. Uh, we have links to our merchandise stall where you can get all kinds of fun CanerRents clothing and Paraphernalia. Links to our Facebook, our Google+, and our YouTube pages as well, where <laughs> Darren regularly posts some very amusing stuff. So go and check those out. Uh, we have a second podcast now, Sound of Play, where we talk about video game music. There's some really excellent stuff over in Sound of Play, some great music, and then we've also had uh, interviews with composers, musicians, and there, there's always a lot to see and learn there as well. Uh, we would just encourage you also to please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and also remind you that we now have a Patreon. That is patreon.com slash And so if you feel that the content that we provide is uh, worth a couple quid every month or just however, you know, we would encourage you to go over there and it's just kind of a virtual tip jar. There's nothing that's locked behind walls or no secret content that's for backers only. It's just a nice little way to show your support for the show. All right, we are going to talk about Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. All rise, proceeding over the case of Kane v. Rince is the Honorable Ryan Heyman. Joshua Garrity, is the defense ready? The defense is ready, Your Honor. And guest Susan Marmito from Ready Up, is the prosecution ready?
1: Prosecution's ready, Your Honor.
0: All right, so Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. It is developed and published by Capcom, directed by Shu Takumi. Uh, who previously worked on Resident Evil 2, Dino Crisis, and Dino Crisis 2, and later went on to do Ghost Trick. And so this is kind of a a turning point of sorts in his career. And it was produced by the legendary Atsushi Inaba, uh, the former CEO and producer at Clover Studio, um, who we know from the likes of Beautiful Joe and Okami, and is now at Platinum Uh, He was the creative force behind Beautiful Joe Nakami, God Hand, Infinite Space, Vanquish. And so it's a a very, very strong CV he has there. (laughs) Um, Phoenix Wright originally launched on the Game Boy Advance, uh, the original trilogy anyways, in October of 2001, um, only in Japan. And it was later re-released in Japan on the Nintendo DS in September of 2005. And uh, it, it came with, a, uh, with an English text option and it became such a, uh, a heavily imported item. I don't know if that's what convinced them to release it Western, uh, in the Western markets or if that was their plan from the very beginning. But it did come to the U.S. later that year in October of 2005 and in 2006 in Europe in English as well. Uh, it was released in on PC in December of 2005, also only in Japan, and I, I don't know, I've not seen screenshots or anything like that, so I don't know if they used the same artwork that was on the DS version, but uh, I, I guess presumably it would have to be upscaled to some degree. Uh, it was released on the WiiWare channel, on the Nintendo Wii, uh, broken into separate cases, Uh, I guess it was broken into Cases 1 through 4 and then broken into Case 5, which was the DS exclusive, which we'll go into more on that later. And those were over a time period from 2009 to 2010. Later, re-released again on iOS in 2009 and 2010, respectively. And again, re-released on iOS as a part of their... um, the Phoenix Wright HD package which also ended up coming to 3DS in 2014. So this thing has been released on many 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 consoles, mostly handheld and uh and so if you have any kind of if you have any kind of electronic device that can fit comfortably into your hand, you can probably play Phoenix Wright on it. Uh, let's go into our histories with the game. Uh Susan, when did you pick this one up in the in the beginning?
1: Um it must have been 2006 because I remember reading a feature on it in um, official Nintendo magazine, I think it was. And it intrigued me because they showed um, the screenshot that they used was um, Mia in the office, or rather Mia's body in the office. And I thought, hmm, this might be the kind of game I, I'd like to play for some weird reason. <laughs> and um yeah, it just caught me from there, and it was the first kind of visual novel game that I'd ever ever really played, and it was so different to me, and I kind of fell head over heels, really, and I've been a um, been an avid fan ever since, really. Um, play every couple of years, I like to go through all of the games in chronological order, and it's kind of the equivalent of um, sitting and reading your favourite series of books over and over again me that's kind of what it's become for me so i love this series very very much
0: do you find that it takes you a long time to get through the games now that you're replaying them or are you pretty quick on like knowing exactly what to do and progressing the the cases pretty uh, on an expedited route
1: um some cases i will run through faster than others because some i find mm. more interesting than others yeah. Yeah. um and yeah, I think it is I do feel like I know quite a lot of it by heart, but then sometimes um I think the particular logic of the cases, like you think mm-hmm. you're supposed to present one bit of evidence at one place, but it's not that sometimes trips me up, and then I get confused over which <laughs> which right, um right. thread to follow, but I think we'll probably talk about that kind of mechanic later on.
0: Which consoles have you played the in this i guess at least the first game on
1: on d s? So okay,
0: yeah. so I haven't made the jump to any of the later re-releases or anything like that.
1: No, because I in in the spirit of like reading your favorite book, I do tend to sort of like curl up in bed and play chapters mm. before like <laughs> I go to sleep so mm. <laughs> so yeah. that's that kind of thing and I'd play it often when I was traveling and things as well, and I don't own an iPhone, and I think it works best as a portable um game rather than yeah. Yeah. rather than on that's a console.
0: Right. so and Josh, how about you? where did you pick this one up? Um
2: so I I didn't play this game until fairly recently. It was last year in fact. I I talked about playing it on our uh, end of year podcast oh, that's in right. fact, yeah. yeah. Um I I wanted to check out uh, the First Phoenix right because of Ghost Trick. Um Ghost Trick is a game that we covered in issue 42 of Cane and Rince, and anyone who listened to that show, uh, that show knows that I i absolutely adore ghost trick i think ghost trick Mm. is up there with you know some of my favorite games of all time i i love that game so when i heard that um the original phoenix Wright kind of shared a lot of uh dna with ghost trick in terms of the lead developer and the composer and uh yeah Mm. just the team that worked on it i was like right i've got to check this out because if if you know they could get me to love ghost trick as much as i did and i really wasn't <laughs> expecting i that that game for me really caught me by surprise so i was really hoping to go into this uh and have that kind of that same kind of experience and and to a degree i did which we'll go into later but yeah i that's kind of the reason why i ended up playing it And uh, yeah, I played it on the 3DS, the HD Mm. collection on the 3DS.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Now, there was some uh, kind of crossover between Ghost Trick, or at least references back and forth between the two series. Uh, I know that there's a couple characters in Ghost Trick that are at least kind of colored after the Phoenix Wright suit, and I think Edgeworth Mm. suit as well. And then Missile, the little lovable Pomeranian from Ghost Trick, made it into... Phoenix Wright's moveset when he made the jump to Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Uh, I picked up this game originally on the on the iPhone, I believe it was. I I played through uh, the first game when they released it as a standalone title on the iPhone. And um this was the the pre-HD version. And um it was just kind of my like play a little bit before I go to bed or play a little bit while I'm, you know, on the bus or whatever—it was just a nice little like I can pull it out whenever, and uh, and give it a, a you know a couple little pokes and then put it away. I wasn't like immensely in love with it. Um, the original iPhone release only came with cases one through four. It didn't include the Rise from the Ashes case. Um, but you know, I, I enjoyed it for the most part, but it wasn't something that I was really dying to go back to. I think a lot of that was because I was really frustrated with how often <laughs> I would run into completely, uh, you know, complete b- brick walls in, uh, impeding my progress, but we'll talk about that more later. Um, but my, my buddy Neil, who we'll hear a three word review from later in the show, uh, lent me his copy of Apollo Justice And I ended up really enjoying that. And so that Mm. kind of inspired me to get back into the series and give them a proper playthrough, which I did on the iPhone as well. And by this point, the HD re-release was out and that included all three of the original games and all five cases from the first game. And so I downloaded that and played from the very beginning to the very end over the course of, I think like two years or something, um, and that was just, you know, breaks between classes and, you know, at night when I would be putting myself to sleep, I would be, you know, wearing my mind out with a little bit of Phoenix Wright. And uh, so, yeah, it took me a, a very, very long time, but that was because I was, you know, making very slow progress, just a little bit at a time. So I was, I was happy with that very comfortable pace. Um, but yeah, that was that was me then. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the influences that went into the creation of Phoenix Wright. Uh, of course, point and click adventure games, the classic like Art era point and click adventure games seem to have a, a very strong um, kind of an ancestry with the Phoenix Wright series, uh, particularly with the investigations as you're kind of looking around the screens and doing a lot of a lot of use this item with this person and whatnot, um, trying to find all the clues. Uh, Visual novels, as we've mentioned before, uh, there's a lot of debate in the community as to whether or not Phoenix Wright counts as a visual novel because um, there is a lot of game that's happening there. Um, Primarily our primary activity while we're playing Phoenix Wright is doing a lot of reading and, uh, the interaction is fairly minimal, but, you know, the argument could be made that there is, a, you know, a little bit more going on than you would see in a traditional um, kind of Japanese typical visual novel. But uh, it does, you know, share a lot of similarities, and I would certainly count it as one. Um, one of the the big things that Phoenix Wright did was prove that there is a Western market for these um. At this time, unwesternizable <laughs> Japanese visual novels. And it, it um, definitely kind of paved the way for things that would appear a bit more niche later, but would end up going to be big successes like the Zero Escape series, um, Nine Doors, Nine Hours, Nine Persons, like we've covered in a previous issue, and uh, Dengarampa more um, contemporaneously. The creator cites a couple of interesting influences: the Perry Mason procedural courtroom drama, starring Raymond Burr and Barbara Hale, this was the TV series that ran from 1957 to 1966, and that was, uh, you know, a good weekly courtroom drama. That yeah, I guess they took a lot of the structure from. You know, they they were so inspired by the kind of the action of the courtroom, they wanted to find a way to turn that into a video game, which is not an easy ask, really. And there is a a short story collection called A Aichiro from Japan. It is about a cameraman who stumbles upon many crime scenes. Since he's usually the first one there, just by happenstance, he's usually accused of the murder himself and has to clear his own name. He does so with uh, deductive reasoning. And he's kind of famous for solving impossible crimes, such as an an apparent suicide and a hot air balloon. Um, where the the victim was the only one in the hot air balloon. He has to prove that that was actually a murder that was set up beforehand by somebody on the ground. So a lot of these kind of like closed-door mysteries and seemingly impossible murders that um, the Phoenix Wright series would uh, definitely expand on later on. And actually, the DL6 incident, which will play a huge part in not only this game, but the rest of the series as well, is a reference to the first Age Hero story um, that is called The Flight of DL2 Incident. Let's talk a little bit about the gameplay mechanics. Josh, do you want to describe the, the rules of the court system in this <laughs> crazy world? I, I know that you kind of ranted about that in the um, end of your show from uh, 2015.
2: Yeah, so in this world in which Phoenix Wright inhabits... Um, Trials have to be conducted within three days, or the defendant is automatically proclaimed guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, there's no jury, (laughs) Um, the (laughs) the judge has the sole decision as to whether the person is guilty or not. Um, Also Mm -hmm. if you just annoy The judge a little bit too much (laughs) uh, Your (laughs) Defendant will be considered Guilty as well Um, So, yeah, uh, kind of the structure of the game is a mixture of these investigation sections where you're going to crime scenes, collecting Mm -hmm. clues, uh, interrogating people and so forth and so on, and then gathering all that uh, information uh, so that you're prepared for the trial sections where you have to kind of present evidence that uh, contradicts what certain witnesses are saying so you can get the one up on the prosecution and reveal information slowly but surely to get your uh, the not guilty verdict for your uh, defendant um and if you pick the wrong piece of evidence uh, pick uh, the wrong moment to uh, point out something is contradictory or uh, you know a number of different things the judge will give you a negative stamp and then you lose uh, like they've got the, this little like markers in the corner and you have a limited yeah. number of them uh once they run out then automatically your defendant is uh, considered guilty. So a very fair
0: judicial system <laughs> in the Phoenix Wright universe. Present to the wrong evidence. Time for the public execution. <laughs> yeah.
1: One of the hilarious things that I, um, I can't remember where it's said, but the fact that trials need to be conducted within three days is partly because there's so much crime and so mm-hmm. much, so many things going through the court that they just want to rush them through. Um I don't know. I find that particularly hilarious. But
0: yeah, you don't really get a sense of that in the world as you're exploring it. Um, you get a little bit of. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's a like a yakuza family that you come into contact with, in Apollo Justice. <laughs> but other than that, like the world seems pretty, pretty tame and pretty happy. You know, especially for Los Angeles, where it's supposed to be <laughs> yeah. uh, in the Western releases. That is kind of a, a thing that people have made fun of the Phoenix Wright series for. Is that as they westernized it they decided to localize it to los angeles and not bother to change a lot of the other details (laughs) that makes it very 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 clearly japan (laughs) so um realistically like if you prove that somebody's not guilty like you don't have to find the actual guilty suspect for them to be let off the hook but in this world like i i don't understand that we've already proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that our client is innocent of the crime but unless we're able to find the person who actually did it then they will be sentenced which is absolutely ludicrous
2: i don't know ryan have you watched making a murderer
0: recently <laughs> <laughs> i should have caught up in that before the show here show me how things really are this is actually kind of loosely based on the um inquisitorial system of the Japanese courts in which the court plays a role in investigating the facts of the case. Um, This is kind of contrasted with the adversarial system that you'll find in the United States, for example, in which the court is an impartial referee between the um, prosecution and the defense. In Japan, being convicted of a crime is almost certain that you will be sentenced because the prosecution they choose to only prosecute cases that they know that they can win as they want and kind of an unblemished record as we'll see from many of the prosecutors in this series um so they'll they'll choose to only prosecute cases that they know that they can win and i i think that there's kind of a cultural um aspect of uh you're not innocent until proven guilty like if you are being brought to court then the um end of the court sides against you to a certain extent and so there are you know many defense attorneys in japan can go throughout their entire career without ever winning a case we touched on a little bit about it earlier but the i wanted to kind of highlight the difference between the investigative and the trial segments of the game as they play very, very differently. Um, As Josh mentioned, during the investigation, we have usually about a day. Um, This is not in real time, and obviously um, the day ends once we've done everything that we need to do to progress the plot. But, um, you know, we go to the scene of the crime and we can interview people who just happen to be standing around at the time. Um, There is a police investigation that's going on at the same time that has more access to helpful information. They can take fingerprints and they can uh, analyze DNA at the lab. Um, but all of this is out of our hands. And uh, there's kind of a strong sense that the police department is working with the prosecution. But as far as we're concerned, we're just kind of the the plucky little Phoenix Wright and his assistant Maya, who are just doing whatever they can to scrap together whatever evidence they they happen across at the crime scene and and try to create a coherent story in their own mind.
2: So for me, these
0: investigation
2: sequences can often be uh, quite entertaining and and hilarious, mm-hmm. but if I was going to pick any points during this game where it felt like it was dragging, it was almost always the investigation sequences. There were lots yeah. of times where... Um, Especially towards the latter half of the game where it felt like just all these interviews, um, collecting of evidence, they were just taking so much time and there were a lot of um, what I felt were quite arbitrary barriers to my progression through this process where I I just missed one piece of evidence so I couldn't talk to uh, such and such a person and after a while i just i just wanted these moments to be over so i could yeah. get to the trial and and it's mainly i mean it's partly a shallow thing because the trials have so much visual um, kinetic energy, mm-hmm. and the audio is is really well implemented, and the music right, during yeah. those sequences is really is really great. So, on some mm-hmm. level, I, I will admit that my desperation to get on with it and you know go straight to the trials is because just from audio visual standpoint, the trials were more appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, um, the fifth try uh, the fifth case, I think mm-hmm. went some ways to uh, alleviate some of my frustration with these sequences just because the player had more to do. Um, they start giving you the ability to uh, actually look for fingerprints and 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 bloodstains yourself in that final case which made the investigation sequences a bit more compelling from a mechanical standpoint rather than what it is during the majority of the game which is just click on some random point on the screen and then talk to somebody about a glove you found um Which, you know, the the characters are interesting, but it's just so much more exciting when you're in the high-pressure environment of the trial.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. I think that um, there's a lot of points at which I mentioned earlier, kind of running into brick walls, and these would pretty much exclusively happen within the investigation scenes, and you'll have the kind of monkey island syndrome of, you know, I have seven different locations that I can search. I have you know, uh, five people that I can talk to and I have, you know, 30 pieces of evidence. And the only way to progress is by showing one piece of evidence to one person under this circumstance. And it's, it's overwhelming. And sometimes there's not a lot of great logic as to why you would show that to somebody in the first place. And, uh, it also kind of suffers from the problem of punishing players for getting it wrong by making them sit through text that is way, way, way too long um, (laughs) and unskippable. Whenever you show the wrong thing to the wrong person, you'll get the, uh, they usually have like one standard um, ream of text. That's like, Oh, I don't know what to do with this. And then they'll have a cute little conversation back and forth, which is like fun the first time that you read it. But when you really get into like brute forcing these investigations (laughs) and are showing everything to every person and you have to click through uh, you know, uh, forty five seconds of text every single time, and you can't make it go any faster. it um which they uh, they did fix in the three d s dual destinies. but yeah, even in the re-releases of this original trilogy, it's it's just absolutely monotonous and it really, really kills the pacing. Um I understand the necessity for these investigative sequences as this is the time that we, are introduced to a lot of the characters and this is the time at which we can really get our eyes on the crime scene and um you know a lot of the clever twists that happen in the courtroom are set up here and so this is really the build up to the payoff later but uh yeah i mean these these can really drag which is unfortunate because uh you know they're necessary but um kind of makes me look at the more recent uh Danganronpa games which are pretty similar in their uh, in their style and their own implementation um Danganronpa on PS Vita and later this year coming to Steam for PC so definitely check those out if you're a fan of the Phoenix Wright series but um, in those games I don't know if it's because the investigation is easier or if there's just less to look at or um you know i think it does a good job of kind of gating you in a room until you've done everything you need to do in a room and then it lets you go on and they usually pair you up with somebody who gives you a little bit of a hint as to where to go next and so um it moves along steadily and kind of guide you through the process without it making you feel like your hands being held the entire time, which is a really great balance. And so if you kind of want a sense of how to do this a little bit better, um, then check out the Danganronpa games, which admittedly are, you know, years later after learning from some of Phoenix Wright's mistakes. So, you know, that's, um, not, not saying that they are inherently more talented writers that there's anything wrong with Phoenix Wright, but, you know, just being the first one to do this, they are, you know, bound to, um, the formula can be improved upon.
1: Um, I feel like I should throw in an objection here. <laughs> sure. <yeah.
2: laughs>
1: um, I understand, like, what you guys are saying about that kind of, you know, that frustration, that ploddingness, that kind of very linear sort of gameplay. And I think I feel that the most when I accidentally click and go to the wrong location, and then have to backtrack to a different location in order to go to the correct location. You know, they have the kind of like a, particularly in um, the DL6 case, where mm. they have that branch. That ridiculous branch of map around the um, park.
2: Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Gosh, that's that's really annoying. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I really I like those little snippets of text, and I think and the it feels very much like world building, like all of those things. And you miss out on a lot of things if you don't go through um, those boring parts, I suppose, by of, like clicking on things and exploring things and hearing the funny yeah, little yeah. things that the characters say. And I think like yeah. part of that is what um makes this game such a joy, is like that world building, that character development that happens in the um investigation yeah. sections that you don't necessarily get in the courtroom.
2: I so. I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, Susan. I, I- I I I don't think I'm saying I'd want to get rid of these sequences because mm. so much of that stuff is important for you know just caring about these people and the and the cases I just uh, there are certain points where I think there is an economy of word choices that isn't being made and there are probably more elegant ways of conveying cert- certain bits of information and mm. i think to be fair i think they get better at it uh, better at mm. it um i think the fifth and final case does a much better job of conveying certain bits of information yeah. in a variety of different ways and and because of that i found even though it, arguably those investigation sequences last considerably longer uh than the uh cases in the rest of the game they were just better paced just that you mm-hmm. felt like mm-hmm. you were moving on to the next thing uh much faster and there was a variety of activities for you to take part in um, and that's, that's really what my complaint here is, more than anything. Not that these investigation sequences exist, just that I wish they did more with them and they <laughs> were as as compelling as the trial sequences and that they just had a better sense of pacing and... Uh, as I said, like a, a, an economy of word choice.
0: Well, there are a couple of alternate models that the series does um, kind of introduce as it goes on. And I don't want to get into any spoilers for uh, any cases in later games because that's not what we're here to do. But um, there is a case, I think it's the second case in the, um, is it Trials and Tribulation would be the third one in the trilogy? Mm-hmm. I can never keep the titles straight. But um, where you play as, as a young Mia who is... Um, kind of thrown into the courtroom and there is no investigation, Um, you just kind of have to build your understanding of the case based on what you hear in the courtroom. And, you know, that is just one case among the rest of the game has these investigation sequences, but uh, it's kind of an interesting way to do it. And it kind of puts you at that disadvantage of not quite knowing what everything is. I think you were a, a last minute substitute as the prosecutor or the, sorry, the defense attorney that was supposed to be defending dropped out. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting. And I was personally quite happy to not have to go through the investigation sequences. <laughs> um, and then also in... Uh, in the more recent crossover, uh, Phoenix Wright is it versus Professor Layton or meets Professor? Either way, both of their names are in the title somewhere. Um, but they uh, they do a crossover between those two series, where the courtroom sequences are in the style of Phoenix Wright games, and the investigation sequences are more in the style of the Phoenix. Or the, uh, sorry, the Professor Layton series, which are more kind of solving puzzles and just doing cute little like mind bender type activities and so uh i I think that i haven't played that game yet but i I think i like that idea and from what i've heard it it really um picks up the pace and makes the uh i think i think among many players less palatable section of the game a little bit more um kind of easy to digest Uh, Let's talk a little bit in contrast about that, uh, about the uh, trial sequences. Um, Again, we've kind of mentioned how those have gone before, but I guess without getting into any spoiler specifics just yet, you're hearing the witness's testimony line by line that you can cycle through as many times as you need to hear it. And at each line, you choose to either press them for more details, and um, that usually unlocks a little bit more of a... um, sometimes an extra dialogue option or sometimes the opportunity to, um, kind of find contradictions that way, or you can choose to present evidence which contradicts their, uh, testimony. And, uh, those are usually the, the big strong turnabout moments, which are always lots of fun to catch people in a lie <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, um, how do you guys like this format for the uh, the trial sequences?
1: I like this format for the trial sequences, but um, I think there are certain points in the game <clears throat> where the logical constraints sort of come into play. Like you, it's almost like you need to immerse mm, yeah. yourself in the way that the game thinks in order to present the correct part, correct piece of evidence at the correct statement um, in order to get that kind of turnabout and progression sort of thing so there are there are occasions where um i know that this piece of evidence contradicts that state well it may i know that there's a contradiction in there and i know that this is the piece of evidence but the game's kind of like no don't tell me that right now press this person some more (laughs) first and then you'll get the statement where you can present that um thing it happens um it happens more towards like in in the longer more complicated cases yeah um but overall um i I like that mechanic and um in particular the various animations that the characters have like um, the witnesses (laughs) when they're very close to their breaking points Mm -hmm. and then when they finally when you finally take them down (laughs) it's incredibly satisfying
0: it is always fun they have these uh these Alternate animations of of them um, kind of going a little crazy and those become even more eccentric as the series goes on. I
1: think in the very first case, there was that, there's the, you know, the first case, which is the um, tr- pure trial one where it shows you how to play the game, essentially. And the guy on the stand, when he finally gets defeated, he like rips off his toupee and like throws it <laughs> at Phoenix and it hits him in the mm-hmm. face and has that wonderful comedy slides down the face. <laughs>
2: The one thing that I absolutely love uh, is just the kind of back and forth between the the defence and the prosecution. Every time <laughs> uh, Wright and uh, and Edgeworth slam their hands on the table, it's like, mm, oh, yeah. th- this is this is amazing. <laughs> I just I I love I, one thing I love about um, games like this is you know taking. Uh, you know moments in real life that are not that you know the average you know court case is a very boring affair even the most horrendous (laughs) crime like the back and forth between the defense and the prosecution is not really that interesting um unless you edit it into a 10-part uh documentary series on netflix um but um yeah, but the, just the way they inject so much energy into th- that kind of, uh, that, especially between um, Wright and, and Edgeworth. Um, mm-hmm. Edgeworth, I love Edgeworth's reactions to everything. Especially, <laughs> like, I, I love when he's smug, but I also love when he's extremely angry with whatever's going on.
0: He does that, that strange pose where he's kind of hunched over and he has that like yeah. really gaunt expression on his <laughs> yeah. face.
2: And I love, I love how oversized their arms and their hands are. There's something Everybody very is
0: built like a football player. Yeah, like, They are enormous.
2: Everyone's really meaty. Everyone looks like yeah, if they yeah. punched you, your head would come clean <laughs> off. Um, and uh, yeah. And it has, because you can see Phoenix, right on the screen and, mm-hmm. and, And just the animation is just more detailed and and, and more energetic than the stuff you find in the investigations. It injects the game with personality um, Mm. and so much of it. And it's not just the animation. I, I might be skipping ahead here, but the music during Hello. these trials mm-hmm. is so good i can't comment on the later games because uh, i i haven't played the sequels as of this time mm-hmm. but the the music in this game specifically is just fantastic um mm. the way that they kind of use these themes to uh you know use these themes for specific moments but how well they kind of blend from one theme to another based Mm -hmm. on what's going on um yeah it's just it's so effective at conveying uh the uh, kind of uh, emotion of what's going on in that scene and 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 more importantly making you as a player care about this clearly ridiculous story (laughs) like (laughs) This, I mean, everything in this game is absurd. From, uh, uh, you know, if you were, if you were mm. to look at this from like a realism standpoint, and I don't know why you would, but let let's say you're that kind of person, if, uh-huh. if, if, the game the game falls apart, like there's no way any of this stuff would happen in a real kind of yeah, or, yeah. Or, uh, i i'm i'm saying this and i'm just remembering there are points where they use the testimony of people who are dead as evidence so i don't even know <laughs> why i'm i'm I, i'm even trying to talk about it like this but you Spirit get what i'm and
0: whatnot, yeah.
2: you you get what i'm saying though it, it it's 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 surprising how much the the audio the music the mm. animation gets you to give a damn about mm. what's going on and and by the end of it i really did care about all these people
1: i think part of what you were saying about the um, movement and like you know kinetic energy to it comes from um you know it's a very anime style trope isn't it kind of like the mm-hmm. zooming yeah. blue lines in the background when they're and close up on a person's face when they're making a particularly dramatic point, the quick cuts between, um, prosecution, defense, judge, um, the zooming out to the courtroom as a whole. And the, you can hear the gossip in the crowd, like Mm -hmm. they all turn into each other and looking at each other and you can read what they're saying on the screen. (laughs) And I think all of that is just, um, you know, beautifully timed, beautifully directed, you know, I'm just thinking of moments where, um, People in the crowd are saying things. Um, one part where a kid says something about, you know, is that guy? Why is that guy in the blue suit sweating so much? <laughs> it cuts to Phoenix, <laughs> the guy in the blue suit sweating buckets. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, that that kind of um, that that way of treating it, almost, you know, like like a play. Is, yeah, very, yeah. is very evident. I think like, you know contributes to that kind of drama and makes it very absorbing.
0: Uh, the soundtrack was composed by Masakazu Sugimori, who composed for the first two Ace Attorney games and later went on to do Ghost Trick. And a little bit of trivia here, he also voiced Manfred von Karma in the Japanese version of the game. I guess before we go on, we're probably going to hit a few more uh, guess story specifics from this point forward. Uh, We're going to provide a big fat spoiler warning. So this game is a story to be read. And so if you don't want to have that story spoiled for you, then, um, you know, turn off the game or turn off the podcast now, go play the game, come back to us. We'll still be here. And, um, it's, it's definitely worth experiencing yourself, I would say. Uh, yeah, as we, as, uh, Josh had mentioned, um, the individual characters have such a presence on the screen, um. They have their uh, most of the main characters have their own individual themes the uh, the Fay sisters, uh, Phoenix Wright, of course, um you know, Dick Gumshoe and all these characters. Uh, and something about, yeah, the music really makes their their presence pop whenever they're on screen. just everything really comes together to. Uh, and they all have their own kind of distinctive speaking styles and personalities. They're all very well written and consistently written throughout. Uh, were there any characters that uh, that you guys really connected to that you felt um, they did a particularly good job of, of bringing to the game?
1: Um, Maya. <laughs> mm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, she's kind of an odd character. Would you like to explain her role in the story?
1: Okay, so you're first introduced to her when, when um, you're at the site of... Um, Mia's murder so Mia is the um Mm. is Phoenix's mentor um slash boss I suppose you would you would refer to her um you're supposed to meet and go out at one point and then suddenly she's dead and Maya her little sister is there and she becomes um Phoenix's assistant I suppose Mm -hmm. in a way and um She's also a spirit medium. Should we should we touch on the spirit medium stuff now?
0: Yeah, it's one of those bizarre game.
1: parts of this game, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like um, so it turns out that the Fey family have um, mystical powers and they are able to channel the dead. And um, Maya is a spirit medium in training. And um, at certain points in the game, when situations are quite dire, she manages to successfully call upon her dead sister, so that she can offer help to Phoenix in that way. <laughs> saying it out loud just sounds so stupid. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that, that's what I, that's kind of the what I was saying before. Like, if you if you describe this game, or just handed somebody a piece of paper, kind of outlining the plot. For this game, it sounds like the dumbest thing in the world, <laughs> but I think it's a testament to the 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 creators of this game mm-hmm. that they do get you to care and take this stuff seriously. Mm.
1: Well, I like Maya because she plays the um you know the she fills the ditzy assistant kind of role, but she's not really that ditzy in a way.
0: Yeah, she's <laughs> not stupid. Like, yeah. she's she's very um very. Has a strong intuition. Has um, really great kind of non-lateral thinking skills. Like she's she's really good at, at finding creative solutions to a lot of the problems that Phoenix Wright gets hung up on.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like as well how she grows as a character throughout the mm, series, yeah. but also just even in this game. Because by the end of like the fourth case, she realizes that actually stay with Phoenix was just a stopgap. She should really be going back mm. to her own sort of work, her own sort of destiny. And she leaves Phoenix to go back to her village to train, to go back to her training as a spirit medium. Mm. Um, after having spent a lot of the game kind of trying to come to terms with um, losing her sister mm. and yeah. Um, yeah. And having to deal with that quite, quite profound loss in her own way. Like I think, I think she's, um, Quite a very well-rounded character in that kind of yeah. sense, and I really like how she tries, how she learns, and she grows, like as a person.
0: Many of the characters have uh, kind of puns as their names. Um, phoenix Wright is a very evocative name. The Phoenix being a, you know, the the mythological bird that can burn up and then rise from its own ashes again. It kind of implies his his spirit of you know nothing's going to keep him down, no matter how many defeats he suffers or however bleak things look he'll always come out swinging again and right is kind of a you know right and wrong uh he's in the right you know there's, there's a lot of ways to look at that uh, in the japanese version his name is riwichi naruhodu which is referencing a japanese expression meaning i see or i understand and so i, I guess the the puns do persist between the different language versions um a lot of the other characters have names that are kind of silly you'll get a lot of uh, april may and red white and sal manella and um you know there's uh, frank saw it is the name of the first <laughs> witness that you and so yeah. it's it, it's almost like almost like a, a sunday morning cartoon that you would you know it's it's very silly later on but um you know the characters are consistently well characterized kind of just despite their names like they have yeah. a surprising level of of depth and complexity for what they are even if they appear to be rather one note like uh wendy old bag and all these <laughs> characters that don't really seem like a lot at the beginning like they they come to be uh actually pretty pretty pivotal and interesting folks in this world
2: i i would say uh, and my favorite character uh miles edgeworth uh, mm-hmm. is yes. probably the the, the best <laughs> the best example of that because towards the beginning of the Mm, game he just kind of fills in that typical kind of he is the the antithesis of Felix Wright he is the you know the negative version of you but then they end up you know doing something with that character that's really interesting and it's not you know anything original kind of taking a character you perceive to be a villain and then slowly having him kind of become a Mm. sympathetic figure is something that crops up in fiction all the time but it was surprising here because i wasn't expecting it and also i think they just did a very good job of getting you to actually feel a bit of edgeworth's pain and and really get you to empathize uh, for his situation um of course the fourth case is kind of where that all comes to a head and he's he's being charged for the murder of his father which is odd because he just threw a gun and the gun happened to fire in his dad's direction supposedly that there's more details to that case uh, i won't go into it here it's well, the very fourth con- case
0: specifically he's being charged for a different murder um it's just that oh, that, that yeah, the yeah. one in the past kind of happened to play a pretty significant role in in why the second murder took place
2: yeah and, and yes and then the course uh, the case kind of turns into did you do this or did you right, not yeah. um and yeah apart from the whole like you know this is clearly manslaughter, not murder. Why are you going to execute a child for uh, throwing a gun? <laughs> um, but you do end up getting like frustrated. Come on, we got to find that piece of evidence that proves that Edgeworth is because there's some good in him. I can see it in his eyes. Like there's some <laughs> there's some good. Edgeworth can come round and he can be one of the good guys. And and then uh, with the fifth case, which when i started it i i was a bit annoyed because it was quite anticlimactic having that kind of perfect mm, ending yeah. to the story then suddenly you know oh okay no we this this adventure's carrying on but actually as i got into it i that i think the story for that case is very good mm. but also just the way they characterize uh, Edgeworth's frustration with all the assumptions people make about his character and his, you know, relative guilt and the things he's done in the past, um, they, I just, I think, out of all of the characters in this game, I, I came away feeling like Edgeworth was the most well-rounded and, uh, you know, most three-dimensional of all the characters because you know Phoenix Wright i i love him and i think he's a great kind of avatar for the player but he's not deep but in any yeah. any sense <laughs> of the word he is just kind of your typical um you know perfect kind of uh hero character um yeah but yeah i i was impressed and uh miles edgeworth definitely one of my one of my favorite characters in this game
0: yeah, and and among the community, Edgeworth has become a, a pretty strong crowd favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays that kind of role of the, uh, you'll see it a lot in anime, kind of the, the broody, uh, very kind of like dark, uh, kind of plays off a little bit like an asshole at the beginning. And there's like accusations of him falsifying evidence at the beginning of the game. So there's kind of that, that sense of, you know, he'll do anything to win and he's very confident and, uh, you know, he has that like, that sexy coat jacket with the the ruffles at the top and you know he's just such a such a strange character to look at but um he ended up getting his own spin-off games i think one of them was westernized and one of them never was called the Miles Edgeworth Investigation series um you know i, I guess i think originally the idea was that he was going to be the prosecutor throughout all of the games because it's so fun to see him and Phoenix Wright mm. butt heads in the courtroom and they're such like a perfect pairing for one another but I think a couple of reasons that they didn't do that is because he was such a popular character I think they didn't want to make him the villain in every game essentially or the the mm. adversary at least um, and also if he went against Phoenix Wright in every case that means that he would lose every case which is not the Um, image of him that they wanted to project um, as you know somebody who needs to be taken seriously by the end of the third game where he would be your adversary he would just you know you would just assume that this guy loses everything that he goes into the courtroom with which is you know a little bit of uh trying to protect their character i think
1: but part of his character journey is that kind of realization that you're not going into the courtroom to prove someone yeah. guilty you're not going in there to win a contest you're going in there to find the truth like the very yeah. heart of the matter and that that development arc for edgeworth involves very much kind of realizing that um the defense is a partner in that kind of situation mm-hmm. so rather than being adversaries they end up working together and i think for edgeworth that's like that that that's a pretty big deal
0: it's true and that is a kind of phoenix wright's position from the very beginning. That. He sees a lot of people, a lot of, uh, the most promising, um, kind of lawyers go into prosecution because that's where all the the glory is. And it ends up creating this kind of unbalanced perspective and really like, it's not, not really fair to the people who are being represented that, you know, there's a lot of people that are being presumed guilty and a lot of people that are being, uh, that are being convicted and the prosecution's point of view and Edgeworth's point of view in particular is that if everybody is guilty, that means that we got all of the criminals as well. Um, You know, we don't want to let somebody free that deserves jail time, but, um, you know, whether that means imprisoning people who are actually innocent or not. You know, that's not really his concern. He's His job is to make sure that the criminals go to jail, and the only way to do that is to make sure that everybody is guilty. Whereas Phoenix Wright is really uh, just kind of a scientist and saying, like, you know, if if they are guilty, fine. If not, let's just find the truth and let the truth speak for itself. And so eventually he ends up, uh, you know, kind of bringing, uh, bringing Eshworth over to his side a little bit more. There's still some conflict uh, as as the series goes on, but it's kind of an interesting journey that they make, and it actually gets onto a lot more of a kind of a legal and philosophical realm than you would expect going into it. Uh, so the first case you can kind of read as a tutorial case of sorts. Um, this is you, Phoenix Wright, defending your childhood buddy named Larry Butts, who will come back many times throughout the series. And he's just a disaster of a human being. He is, uh, he brings trouble with him wherever he goes. And he's just, he's, um, he's stupid and he's always stepping on everybody's toes and just getting in the way and every possible, he always ends up saving the day in the end or just happening upon a piece of evidence that turns out to be crucial. But he's, uh, you <laughs> he can be frustrating <laughs> because he's such a wild card. You don't know what to expect from Larry butts. There's a saying that if something smells is usually the butts and it's kind of the <laughs> sense that it's always his fault if something goes wrong. Um, but he's accused of killing his girlfriend and, um, it's just a nice little, they show you, um, at the beginning of the case, who's actually guilty, which I don't know if I like, I kind of like discovering things as I go, but, uh, you know, this is one of the three or four times in the entire series that they do that. So, you know, I'll let it go. But, um, it's, uh, just an interesting little, I don't even remember if there is an investigation. I think this is just in the courtroom as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, an interesting case. It's but it's it's pretty short, just this tutorial. Um anything about this one in particular?
1: Um the fact that the prosecutors called Winston Payne. <laughs> Which very really much right. encapsulates his character. <laughs> he That's tries right, to call yeah. himself um, the rookie killer and he's really not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Payne family are uh, you know, in the first in the tutorial cases of each game were usually paired against one of the pains. Uh, you know, up until the most recent game even. Um And they are just these, these strange like old Japanese guys that uh, I think they all have toupees as well. Like, yeah. They all have weird hair stuff going on, but they're just weird, uncomfortable characters and they're, they're funny voices that they do. They just sound like they're, they're shrieking their objections <laughs> and uh, such a weird, uncomfortable folk. Um. Yeah, but we, we move on pretty handily after that to the Turnabout Sisters, which we talked a little bit about before. This is Mia's murder, uh, Mia being Phoenix's boss in the the law firm at which he works. And Maya is accused of her murder as she was the first one to arrive at the scene of the crime after it happened. So, you know, as far as everyone else is concerned, she was there when the murder happened. So that kind of puts her at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um,
1: and don't forget the um, wonderful the person had time to write the name of their killer which comes, <laughs> yeah. comes up a lot <laughs> like
0: yeah. in and, it's, and it's always like it always ends up being the same solution to yeah. that every time it comes up in the series but um, <laughs> yeah we see maya scrawl on a piece of uh, of paper in blood in the victim's blood so i uh, i have to
2: say um I was pretty shocked by this story turn, because Mm -hmm. I went into uh, Phoenix Wright pretty blind. I knew who Phoenix Wright was, I knew who Edgeworth was, but I didn't really know much at all about the story. So when Maya just suddenly gets killed uh, right at the beginning of the second case, Mm -hmm. it actually took me aback a little bit, because although you know we're we're dealing with murder cases and what have you yeah. the, the tutorial kind of is so lighthearted and so kind of funny and and jokey that this sudden shift into dark territory really caught me off guard and um I, not in a negative way, I should say, because I was just surprised that the game would even go in this direction. That it would yeah, have yeah. the uh, the events of the story negatively touch uh, the the main characters in this way, um, in in such a severe way. And it it felt like Mia was being set up as a character who would you know be with Wright all the way through the game now that turns out to be true uh in one form or another but i i was just i was really taken aback by her death this this early on in the game
0: yeah and that is something that kind of persists through the entire series is that there are uh you know very very severe tonal shifts um it, it shifts from very light-hearted you know the um april may character is played for laughs and then you know, you kind of remember like, oh, we are talking about a vicious murder of somebody who was very close to Phoenix Wright. Um, you know, and even on through the, uh, through the Edgeworth case, like that one's pretty dark already, but it gets into, you know, uh, suicides and, um, you know, past murders of, of family members and it gets into some pretty heavy stuff. Um, but it really does jump between you know one minute somebody is uh, you know an old lady is flirting with the prosecution and the next minute somebody's being impaled on a on you know a garden fence and so there's there's a lot of back and forth mm-hmm. there and it doesn't shy away from the darker stuff
1: not to mention that um mia was killed because of this wider sort of conspiracy yeah 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 which which um sort of and um, which, which I guess partly comes along later on. There is, a, there is a thread of kind of like um, suspicions of corruption within like the legal system, within um, the police force, and all sorts of other bits and pieces that keeps, that does keep coming back.
0: Unless I'm wrong, I think this is because of the DL6 incident, particularly. I think she unearthed some new evidence or something like that, and was going to uh, something potentially incriminating to uh somebody involved on the on the higher up system but i I might be getting the the game and the the film mixed up there
1: she had uncovered she had some evidence she was because she was investigating red white because he was the guy who was who um blackmailed people and got the information about her mother and then released Mm -hmm. it to the press yeah sort of thing um and Yeah, that, I'm getting confused in the movie as well. I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the the case that really starts off the um, kind of the thread of the story that we'll be following throughout the uh, throughout the entire game, and to a certain extent throughout the entire series. Uh, really sets up a lot of what the series would would become, um, and introduces us to Maya, which is very important. Uh, the next case, I think, you can argue, is a lot less important, and um, I, I think it's not. I think it's not as hated as the circus case from the second game but uh, (laughs) i think it's generally people's least favorite of any of them in the game um i think for me it it certainly fills that role um turnabout samurai this is a yeah it's a fun little distraction where you're trying to uh defend and actor who plays a uh, kind of a Power Rangers-like character on TV called the Silver Silver Samurai? That's not right. Yeah, Silver Samurai. No, Steel yeah. Samurai. Is that the Marvel Comics character?
1: Steel Samurai.
0: Steel Samurai. Is that... Okay. Well, right. Anyways, getting all those Samurais mixed up. Um, <laughs> this case, I think, is particularly famous or infamous... I don't know how you want to look at that for introducing Wendy Oldbag who... Um, <laughs> You know, whether you like it or not, there is a lot of continuity within the series. You'll see a lot of characters that you meet right at the very beginning coming back uh, in later games. And Wendy Oldbag, certainly, I think she's in, in both of the later games in the trilogy. Um, and she is, uh, I i tend to have a very negative opinion of her. I don't like when I'm interacting with her. Does uh, Do either of you uh, like Wendy Oldbag more? Because I could see people going either way on that one, really.
2: I, 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 she's my least favorite character in the game, to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, I just, I don't find the joke funny. Do you, you know, the whole, yeah. um, oh, she's a grumpy old lady. She just doesn't like how <laughs> us younguns do things. Like, I just don't, I don't find that joke particularly funny. Yeah. Um, in any, uh, you know, piece of media, but here it just, especially so, wasn't very funny. Um, and she just i suppose she is important to the case but i really wish she wasn't in a lot of ways (laughs) because her sequences more than anyone else's dragged on the most um and and it's mainly because of all this filler dialogue that doesn't really help the story in any way and and I mean, I have to be honest. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the characters in this case, in particular. Yeah. Um. I I forget the the name of the uh the the disgusting kind of nerd character that you're meant to Salmonella. be kind of.
0: Yes, <laughs> there we go.
2: Sorry, Salmonella. Um. I ju- I just thought that was kind of like a gross stereotype of you know a nerdy character kind of
0: the otaku type thing.
2: yeah i just i don't i don't like that kind of that that kind of humor which is clearly like punching down at people yeah. and, and stuff like yeah. that and and to to some extent um old bag is that as well yeah absolutely of, like taking the mick out of old people which I, i'm not a fan of um yeah i just it's i do like the mechanics of how the case ends up Going, where you do figure out exactly what's going on, and it turns out the the victim of the murder here was actually intending to kill somebody. Unless I'm mixing that up. No, I am right, aren't I? Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, the victim here, Hammer, is intending to kill uh, Vasquez. Right, um, this was
0: a self defense. Yeah, you know, it ended up being one.
2: Yeah, but um, apart from that. I, I could take this case or leave it.
1: See, I <laughs> another objection. Goodness, <laughs> um, I, I think what I liked most about this case was um, was almost like its take on sort of fan culture. Mm, yeah, which which like that the like the case is very much based on sort of, like everyone loves the Steel Samurai, um, it's this it's this amazing TV show. The uh, people collect the cards. People are, uh, you know, the little kid goes and he sneaks into the studio to try and like snap pictures of like his heroes and things like that. And Old Bag is very much like a part of that, um, you know, that otaku type culture. Um, she was like Hammer's really. She was a really huge fan of Hammer. And one of the things that you can do in order to get to progress the case is allow her access to see the studio where he, where his um, body was found, so she can pay her respects. And that, I think, that part of it makes you feel like a little bit more sympathetic towards her. Like, so she doesn't just become that kind of like annoying old lady; she becomes somebody who really liked the show, really liked these actors, and things like that. Um, and, um, and I think it's just. This this case, it, they had to have a fun sort of filler case, I suppose, because if you look at the rest of what happens in this game, it's all pretty intense. And this is the yeah. one opportunity that we really have to sort of like get to really know the characters in a way, like outside of these these big drama sorts of things. So, you know, we find out that um, Maya also loves the Steel Samurai and she gets like quite ridiculously fangirlish about, about it. And also... Um, it builds continuity for things like um the Pink Princess, which comes up at a later stage. Mm-hmm. So you find out that Maya is actually the inadvertent inspiration for the Pink Princess. <laughs> 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 Entirely niche, which keeps getting referenced. Um and so yeah, I don't hate old bag as much as like most people do, but I think I can understand why people would find her like really annoying, but she, she crops up again and again and again and Yeah um in that kind of way i feel like you know she's a familiar face and she's funny and they they give it an opportunity to be more than just that grumpy old woman so be rest assured if you if you play more like you'll probably come to love her
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think we kind of briefly touched on something that is a little bit of an annoyance for me about the game and i guess it's not really a negative but uh it's just a difference in in style of the writing and how they choose to uh, progress these cases forward. But there's a lot of um, a lot of revelations that come up during case. There's new evidence that's presented during the trials. There are you know multiple days of investigation um, that that makes uh, the eventual twists kind of unpredictable and not in the way of like oh that's so clever I never saw that coming, but like actually. You are not able to predict the twist because you don't have enough information going into it uh, to assume or to uh, figure out yourself how the case is eventually going to end up, which I um, I tend to prefer. Uh, kind of like the way that uh, Danganronpa does it. Again, is that you know there are uh, kind of. Curveballs that come at you during the trial sequences, but you do have enough information from just the investigation that if you really think it through, you can piece it together, and it's really satisfying in Danganronpa when I go into the trial. Like I have in my head who I think did this, and to see you know the the blame being shifted onto various folks during the trial, and then at the end. Uh, it turns out to be the person who I expected it to be all along, and I'm just like, yes, you know, it it feels so good to to get that right. Um, in this case, we're not even introduced to the person who was the murderer until I think like the last day of the uh, investigation, or maybe even the the final day of the trial. And so, there's really no way that we can predict these things beforehand. So it takes kind of that that fun little like. Uh, kind of like in in mystery novels how you look back and like oh and this is where they sowed the seed for that and that's so clever i just completely missed that you know i i'm i'm the fool here but in this one it's like all right yeah no there's no way that i could have understood that uh which not necessarily criticism just a, a different way of doing it than i typically prefer um moving on to the next case which we've talked a lot about this is turnabout goodbyes this is uh Miles Edgeworth is accused of the murder of of Robert Hammond, who was the defense lawyer in the DL-6 incident that we've been kind of referencing throughout the entire game up to this point. Um, The murder takes place in a boat, and so it's one of those other kind of impossible murders that, like, it couldn't have been anyone else other than, you know, Edgeworth, because he was the only one who was there. But, you know, we find out later on that that's not necessarily true. But um, since Edgeworth is on the bench in this one we have a new prosecutor named manfred von karma who is you know if edgeworth was kind of the anti-phoenix right uh manfred von karma is i don't want to say the embodiment of evil but he's like the embodiment <laughs> of like perfect order like he is obsessed with perfection and he um you know uh edgeworth has like very eccentric dress he's got the those austin power ruffles or whatever going on but von karma looks like a castlevania character like he is absurd and you know he bosses the judge around and he's uh you know just just a powerful force in the courtroom so how did you guys feel about getting a new prosecutor three quarters of the way through the game
1: Oh, I hated him! My gosh, <laughs> um,
0: hated in a good way or in a bad way?
1: Um, I think it was both. It was both a good and a bad thing. I mean, like I really hated him because I thought, like, oh, he's controlling this courtroom. Like you're already very much yeah. on the back foot as the defence as it was, and then to have Von Karma really come in and running the show was like made those sort of trial sections quite frustrating. And um, but I also thought he was a very good antagonist. At the very yeah, at the same yeah. time, so that so yeah, very mixed feelings for Von Karma. And you mentioned um, his um, dress, well, his costume, and it's interesting to note that Edgeworth, well, Von Karma was Edgeworth's mentor at one point, and mm, the, so their right, similarities right. in dress is kind of like a reference to that. So <laughs> if you see um, in in um, Case Five when you go to Edgeworth's office. And you can see on the wall is a very similar suit to what um, Von Karma wears. So, I
0: guess be... that's what Edgeworth wore in his first case as mm. a prosecutor.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I, I love those kind of like little continuity details. So. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's pretty cool. And of course, uh, Von Karma has more plot significance as the series goes on, as we are introduced to another Von Karma, but we'll probably get into that if we ever do uh, an issue on any of the later games uh, uh josh how did manfred von karma strike you he is
2: he's a lot less complex than uh, edgeworth is mm. and i did miss kind of that Uh, exciting energy that you get from uh, Wright and Edgeworth kind of having their back and forth, which you don't really get with uh, Von Karma, just because Von Karma's not really set up to be an equal. He is a superior. Right. So he dominates the courtroom in a way that Edgeworth doesn't. But at the same time, um, because of how cleverly they kind of integrate him into the story and just because it couldn't have worked any other way, like Edgeworth needed to uh, be in the witness stand and not the prosec- uh, prosecution stand, and him being in the witness stand uh, made that story as you know as compelling as it was. Um, yeah, I think it it did work. Um, it, not so much that Man uh, Manfred von Karma ended up being a favourite character in this case, personally. But more that his presence allowed other characters to shine. Him being there yeah. allowed Edgeworth to really develop as a character. Uh, and that was great. So he is a pretty two dimensional villain, but he's necessary to make Edgeworth more interesting.
0: I think it's kind of fun. Like, you don't get the same sense of catching him off guard. Like, he is. Almost like an omnipotent, like he's he's so prepared for anything that you can throw at him, and he's kind of anticipated our every move. That uh, you know, you don't get a lot of that fun back and forth of um, you know them trying to scramble to catch up, and then we have to scramble to catch up, and um, so it's not like a competition as much. But I, I think it does pay off really well at the very end when we do finally kind of catch the lead on him yeah. and are able to kind of crack this stone exterior. It's like the shadow of the Colossus of Phoenix Wright. Like he is <laughs> a giant that we have to take down. Um, so, you know, I, I think that I kind of had fun with just him in the courtroom and just reading him as a character. Like I I, I didn't feel necessarily intimidated because I knew that this is a linear story that I'm just kind of paying audience to. Um, you know, there's nothing that's really going to be harder about this necessarily. Like I'm just reading the story that they've written, but, uh, just seeing him like boss the judge around and really take control in that way. And almost, you know, kind of force his hand into declaring a verdict before he was even ready. Um, you know, it's just kind of a terrifying presence in the room. Um, but an interesting way to mix it up right at the very end there. And then finally, the Rise from the Ashes case. This was exclusive to the DS version. You'll notice this one is not called Turnabout Anything. We are paired with a new assistant as Maya is off doing her spirit training. Uh, This is the sister of the accused named Emma Skye, a young woman with an interest in the sciences. Uh, She is, um, I don't know if her interest is necessarily in criminal prosecution. I think that's kind of what she's into. She seems to be very aware of uh, kind of luminol and how to detect blood stains and and how to you know search evidence and um and i believe she'd come back in uh, in apollo justice as well if i'm remembering that correctly but she's a, a fun new character what do you guys think about emma sky
2: i mean essentially she is um uh mayor again uh I, I i you know replace science uh replace spirituality with science and i think they're pretty much the same character um for better or worse I've, i think you needed that you know that presence uh in in the case again and you couldn't just bring um uh mayor back uh Uh, back uh, from you know from the way uh, turnabout goodbyes ended you needed her to stay away but i i think they did a better job of integrating both sisters uh thoroughly into the the story of this particular case and um having certain you know really plot pivotal moments kind of you know be be on emma's you know emma's shoulders like really really affect her in a really personal way and um yeah i i think just in general that the way they integrate these characters into the story is probably superior even though i i think essentially emma is the exact same person
0: yeah that's fair and it does kind of tie up a lot of the questions that we had about the legal system and how it works. And it gives us some more behind the scenes into, you know, how this crazy old legal system comes together. And this yeah. might even be the introduction of the blue badger. Uh, <laughs> I might be wrong on that, but that's yeah, another thing. No, no, you're, you're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so when they first see it, they're like, that's, why does it undulate like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's off-putting. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I liked um Rise from the Ashes and that thread of um you know, that thread of conspiracy and mm-hmm. the the divide between the um prosecution and the prosecutor's office and the police department was which I was I thought quite interesting because up to that kind of point we thought that they'd always work together, that they you know, that they were very much on the same side and then in, in this case you get the, the sense that there's this split between them. Did you guys get that?
2: Yeah, no, I, mm. absolutely. I I think just the the way the story and the and the twists kind of articulate in this case is probably the most impressive uh, out of all the cases in the game. Um, just because a lot of the time I could see where the plot was going, but not in a bad way. Just in a way where I could it was allowing me to piece the puzzles together in my own head and so when the twists came they didn't feel like you know things that came out of nowhere like some of the earlier cases in this game but actually like yes I knew that was going to happen I figured that out based on what I'd seen already and and it's really great to play detective in that way and, and I feel that like this case helps uh, allows that uh, more than any of the others um, and and also, I think uh, Gant is probably the most uh, colourful and entertaining of the game's <laughs> antagonist character. figures. Yeah. Um, so jolly! <laughs> yeah, I, I I I love the way that they. I mean, right from the word go, I was kind of like, "There's something weird about this character mm, that yeah. he's hiding." I wasn't entirely sure, right? You know that he was the culprit, um, and that turns out to be the case. But you knew straight away there was something off despite the fact that he comes off as really friendly and and really nice uh, to start with. Uh, Usually when there's an antagonist figure in... Uh, a case uh in the earlier parts of this game it's pretty obvious like mm. they, they mm, don't yeah. they don't try to mask it in any way but in gant's case it's kind of this slow realization based on small facial uh animations and and pauses and and then he starts to get really aggressive towards the towards the end mm. of the case but yeah he was really fun
0: uh, as i played this on the iphone i was able to take screenshots anytime there was a a typo which happens a fair amount throughout the game um, you know the localization is pretty riddled with those type of things but um i just i have one uh saved to my phone that i i look back on every once in a while and it is one of those close up on phoenix right with the the blue lines blurring in the background and one of those like big exciting moments where he's finally accusing the killer for the first time. And his line is Damon Gant, the killer, you <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you guys, you can't mess up a line like that. Like that is pivotal. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyways, there are a couple of Easter eggs in this, which are kind of fun. Uh, you can use the luminal can to, uh, as this is how you detect blood stains to find bloodstains in a couple of funny places, such as on a uh, decorative cactus in Marshall's office and also kind of on the floor in, um, in Edgeworth's office. You assume he either had a nosebleed or maybe slapped somebody during a consultation. But <laughs> yeah, just a couple of little things if you're in the mood for poking around a little bit more. And the pattern on the carpet of Gant's office is based on the design of the prosecutor badge, which is pretty cool touch as well. Uh, so I wanted to touch on the legacy of this game. Uh, it, of course, spawned um two sequels on the game boy advance that later became known as the phoenix wright trilogy as those were re-released on the ds the ios and the 3ds and there is a fourth game on the ds that is kind of separate from the main trilogy apollo justice ace attorney it continues the ace attorney line but it stars a different defense attorney named apollo justice who i actually i kind of like him a little bit more than phoenix wright I, i like him um and he has come back since in uh the later um ace attorney games as well Uh, dual destinies was released on the 3ds and that one uh, is the first time when all the characters are fully in 3d which is a pretty cool touch um ace attorney investigations miles edgeworth series we've we've discussed briefly on the ds and those are a little bit more adventure game type uh, situations starring um, Miles Edgeworth and Dick Gumshoe. And there is a not yet localized sequel set in the Meiji period in Japan. That is the late 19th century in which one of the, um, not descendants, uh, ancestors of Phoenix Wright works alongside Sherlock Holmes to solve mysteries in the Meiji period. (laughs) That's kind of cool. We'll see if they, um, if they localize that to be proto-Los Angeles as well, when they bring it west. (laughs) And then there is an upcoming Ace Attorney 6 that was just announced. Not a lot is known about it at this time, except Phoenix Wright and Apollo Justice will return again. Phoenix Wright was a character, a playable character, in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Actually, he was supposed to appear even before that in Tatsunoku vs. Capcom, but he was cut due to localization issues as... Translating his objection bubble from its Japanese lettering to English lettering made the attack, uh, gave the attack a much larger, I guess, hit bubble, a hitbox, <laughs> is the word for it, um, just because the the um, objection letters are longer than they are in the Japanese language. So they, they couldn't get a consistent shape for that attack between the two versions. They just decided to cut him. Uh, which is kind of too bad. Um, He was planned as the DLC character for Marvel vs. Capcom 3, but that never ended up coming to fruition. He made a small cameo in She-Hulk's ending sequence as uh, she's also an attorney. And finally, he made the cut in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Uh, He could gather evidence during the fight. Uh, He'd send Maya to put up shields or to attack the character on his behalf while he uh, searched the ground for evidence. And if he got all three pieces of evidence then he can shift into trial mode which gave him a different move set uh, made him a little bit more powerful and if he had all three of the correct pieces of evidence um, you can find false evidence you could find correct evidence Uh, then he can go into turnabout mode which is like an undodgeable very powerful final attack in which the judge from the um, phoenix Wright series would find the opponent that you're fighting guilty of a crime and sentence them uh, it's it's hard to describe, but it's it's really something to watch. If you haven't played the game, then at least check out Phoenix Wright's final. I'm going to say final smash. That's not true. Um, his final <laughs> attack on YouTube. It's quite a spectacle, and it kind of changes the way that Marvel vs. Capcom is played for um, you know Phoenix Wright players. It's pretty cool. Uh, we mentioned earlier that there is a uh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney spinoff game. That combines those two series together in some interesting ways and Phoenix Wright and Maya are going to be a pair of playable characters and Project Cross Zone 2 so if you want to see him fighting up against you know Rewin Chun-Li or Segata Sanchiro then that is the place to do it. Uh, the Phoenix Wright series was turned into a manga as well I don't know how long that run I don't have a lot of information about that And it was adapted into three musicals for the stage, which is, uh, I never would have guessed, but I I guess it it looks pretty cool from what I can see. Um, It's an all-female cast. uh, Actually, it's an all-female theater troupe that um, has existed since 1914. And, uh, you know, I guess they're, they're very popular, but they adapted, I think, just individual cases, or these might even be cases that were made up for the musicals but there are three musicals that uh, kind of tie in aspects from the series and i would love to to see them but uh, of course they'd be in japanese and only touring in japan so you know it's not really something that i can do um but i guess the director uh finished playing through the first four ace attorney games seven times before sitting down to write the script so You know, he had that kind of credibility going into it. He knew what he was talking about. And kind of interestingly, they used the English names for all the characters instead of their Japanese names. There was also a live action film, which I watched in preparation for this. And it sounds like Susan, you've seen this as well. Yeah,
1: um a while ago though. But Mm -hmm. um um it's it's a fun film, actually.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think it's
1: one of the one of the best um video game adaptations.
0: Yeah. Really. (laughs) Not a high bar, but No, I know (laughs) uh, it's actually quite good. Um it's it's directed by the controversial Takashi Mike, who directed Ichi the Killer Before, which to give you some sense of who this director is? Um, that film was refused classification in Britain due to extreme levels of sexual violence against women. So, of <laughs> course, let's bring him in for a fun, lighthearted, family-friendly Phoenix Wright adaptation. Um, it was well received. It uh, at least touched on uh, the first four cases in Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, but it most heavily centered on the uh, the Edgeworth trial right at the end there. Um, with manfred von karma being played on screen very uh very intimidatingly again <laughs> uh there's a few different concessions that they make to adapt it to live action the evidence is kind of contained within this big holographic projector that is able to project like enormous versions of the evidence so that the entire courtroom can experience and and see and um yeah so stuff like that it's it's pretty cool, and I'd say it's definitely worth checking out for fans of the series. I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, there is an upcoming anime that will premiere in April of April of 2016, and a, uh, a series of radio drama-type CDs that they released. And I just wanted to also remind that it uh, kind of influenced the creation and localization uh, as they moved west of further murder mystery visual novel games such as Danganronpa and 999, which we've covered in a previous issue as well. Uh, let's move over to our community. Um, we have a few posts from canandorince.com slash forum and an email. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us about any future games and have your opinions about the games read on the podcast, you can either post on our forum or email us at podcast at All right, we have a post from Hayes Red Mist, that says, This game kicked off my love of narrative-heavy visual novel games, of which this is one of the finest examples with unique angle. A lawyer simulator? How can that possibly work? Brilliantly, I'd say. Mechanically, it's light in terms of what it demands from the player, and is text-heavy with a lot of linearity with how you progress. To criticize it for that would be to miss the point, however, as I like to think of games like this as more of a fun way to absorb a story as opposed to being challenged. You will face difficulties when the game has a definitive method of progressing, and you haven't quite worked out how to do that just yet. Uh, For example, tap this item, show this item to so-and-so. Or if you have worked out the next steps, but haven't found out how the game currently wants you to carry them out. But those issues are pretty much the only issues I have with the game. The plot lines and characters are what makes the game truly shine, each of which is bustling with personality. The developers also aren't shy about tugging at the heartstrings with certain events in the game. The likes of Phoenix, Edgeworth, Mia, Maya, Pearls, Larry, and so many others become your friends while you play, and the plot of each case will often surprise you with excellent twists. The cases escalate in a way with just a simple beginning to the fourth case, where a big overarching plot comes to a head, with so many just one more page type moments as the plot develops, and the fifth case, exclusive to the DS game, introduces some new mechanics utilizing the DS's capabilities well. The music is some of the best that I've heard in a game, hands down, catchy melodies for different scenarios you don't mind hearing again and again that truly steer your mood where the game wants you to be. I'm not sure I've had video game music resonate quite as strongly as it does here. Detective Gumshoe is on screen, you know right away because his theme tune which somehow perfectly fits his character. This game captured my imagination perfectly, and ever since I've used either the sequels of Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney or other visual novel type games to wind down at nights as part of my routine. I finished the game and each Western translated sequel multiple times. Even though I know the plot and dialogue inside out, I keep going back, and have recently picked up the enhanced 3DS versions of the originals to relive them once again. Alex Maskill says, I have a history of being a visual novel adjacent. I played a lot of games with visual novel bits, read a lot of visual novels over Let's Plays without actually playing them. Phoenix Wright was my first outright visual novel, however. I borrowed it off my cousin's now-husband, and I completely fell in love with it. I replayed it again on the 3DS trilogy release, and none of the magic had faded. This was weird, as I was always frustrated trying to deal with its problems. Phoenix Wright had very substantial communication issues. When the player figures something out, their ability to articulate that Realization within the game is always hampered by a certain need of mind reading and the yell something or show something player verbs. This thick layer of ambiguity between what the player means to say and what gets communicated was something I found to be a constant annoyance. I found that tension during play came far less from hoping a Hail Mary insight would lead somewhere than from gambling that the game will understand what you're getting at. The game is to be commended for trying to build an entire game around a conversation, but the systems just aren't there yet for really allowing the player to express themselves. The lucky part is that, in my opinion, everything else about the game works. The art is vibrant, the dialogue and character designs rarely make sense in context but create memorable personalities to interact with, and the stories always manage to throw a twist or two that I didn't expect, yet... Even if the real killers almost all suffer from obvious cackling evil person syndrome, I can't hate it for that cartoonishness, because I think that might be what I love about it. Thank you for that. Craig says, I played this a while back, probably in its first year of release, and I really enjoyed it at the time. It really was a novel concept, which could have gone either way, but the balance of the tone was just right. It was absolutely ridiculous and silly, but with a hint of melodrama. It reuses its assets well, sometimes with knowing winks to the camera, and when you have a new witness on the stand, you just can't help but want to break them so you can see their different animations. But part of me is reluctant to play through the longer cases. I appreciate that they could be more complex, but I'd really like a game that has lots of short cases, which just lasted a day each. It's kind of an interesting perspective. I'd uh, like to see that explored. Alex79UK says... I finished this game a couple of days ago, having never really played a Phoenix Wright game before. I was playing the original release on the Nintendo DS and, well, I didn't really think it was that good. There were things that I liked about it, the bright bold graphics, the music, the twisting turning stories, and the originality of the whole thing, but oh my gosh it was offset by some of the most tedious gameplay I've ever experienced. The courtroom sections of the game were very interesting and enjoyable to play. I really liked going through the characters' testimonies and picking them apart. There was something incredibly satisfying about delivering a perfectly placed objection, or take that! Filtering through your clues, working out the holes in their stories. These parts of the games were a lot of fun. But to counter these flashes of brilliance... You had to wade through the most mind-numbingly boring investigations, where you'd meet a bunch of ridiculous stereotypical characters who would insist on feeding you hours of exposition, delivered two soul-crushingly frustrating lines at a time. Half the game was spent tapping away at the next line, next line, next line. Jeez, couldn't they have just made this automatic next line? The progress through the investigation sequences was painful too. Half the time, you just visit each location available with no avail. Hmm, what now? Hmm, okay, let's just go and visit that again. Still nothing? Try the one more time. Oh, there's something to talk to now. Barely any of this made any sense either, plot-wise. I started to lose any interest I had in the game, barely partway through the fourth case. And by the time I got to the end, I was just relieved it was over. This isn't a series I'll be returning to anytime soon. Fair enough. And finally, an email from Nicholas Cook. Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, is a very strange and indeed very special one to me. I first played it shortly after the original release during my not really but almost gamer days. I liked it for pretty much all the same reasons I love it today the cheesy humor, the exaggerated but memorable characters, especially some of the villains who are just something else after their obligatory transformations. <laughs> and of course the fantastic cases, which just hit the particular sweet spot between anime drama and television series procedural excitement. Despite all of that, I got stuck and frustrated during one of my earlier cases and didn't complete it. Still, something stuck with me and I decided to give it another shot after a couple of years. I played through the whole original trilogy within two weeks and got completely absorbed into the courtroom drama that is Ace Attorney. I even wrote a short story based on the climactic Miles Edgeworth case and presented it as a Christmas gift to my mother, who is a relatively well known German author of detective stories, in such high regards that I hold the game's shocking plot twists and unexpected reveals. It speaks volumes of Ace Attorney's overall quality that my mother really seemed to enjoy it despite my horrible writing skills. Uh. <laughs> Still, I can't really assert that it's a truly great game. The inability to progress at certain points of the game, even though the solution seems crystal clear to the player, due to the lack of proper tools to communicate one's ideas and conclusions is a highly frustrating factor at times. Nevertheless, I do love the game, and I would recommend it to a lot of people, and that is mainly because of the colorful characters and the genius interplay between them. And if someone criticizes it too harshly, I would have to object. (laughs) I'm to finish that off there. Thank you for all your contributions, those of you who chose to send some words our way this week. Uh, let's move into the three word reviews now. We have some uh, kind of shorter reviews now from our followers over at our Twitter, at KananRince. We'll take these in turns. My buddy Neil Piper says, unobjectionably fun experience.
1: Hayes Red Mist says, don't forget DL6.
2: John Lloyd says, sinister, silly equilibrium.
0: That's a good way to put it, actually. DK it's a stepladder
1: oh it absolutely is (laughs) Um, Alex79UK says Phoenix wrong,
2: retired Tatsun says enjoyed using touchpad
0: very good, there's a wealth of strong opinions from our community, thank you very much for those, I guess all that's left right now is just give our summaries of the game Uh, just to be brief here um, I really like this game and I really like this series um, i I do continue to have problems with the uh what I you know I called before the monkey Island syndrome where you have to do a certain combination uh show something to somebody and it's really not clear what you need to do to progress a story and so sometimes you know I find myself getting caught up in I'm just stuck in areas and I can't progress. And, um, you know, I have to resort to game facts or whatever to just tell me like, okay, show this item to this person and then I can finally move on. And so it really made those investigation sequences drag for me, which is unfortunate because, uh, you know, there are funny and interesting things that happen in them. But, um, you know, the, the pace of the trials that take place, um, you know, in the courtroom itself are always, uh, you know, just excellently paced, excellently directed, a lot of fun. And so if I could just have those trial sequences and have some way around the investigations, which I didn't care for then I'd have, you know, the perfect lawyer game. But um, as they are, I, I do really enjoy the series. And I would recommend that people go back and try this because there are a number of different platforms that they can experience them on. And again, I would like to recommend if you enjoy the Phoenix Wright series, and would like to see A uh, kind of a future iteration with um, you know some of what they learned from this game improved upon. Then definitely check out Danganronpa and Danganronpa Two because they are excellent, uh, very well written, very surprising, and they they take out a lot of that feeling stuck. They incorporate uh, some very clever ways around those brick wall type of situations. So yeah, that's my recommendation there. How about you, Susan?
1: Um, I love this game. I love the series. It was, it's going, always going to be one of my favorites ever, I think. Partly because of the characters and that world building that we discussed briefly. Um, the continuity that runs through all of the games. Um, the overarching story that runs through the first three. Um, which is something quite impressive, I think. Um, the characters are well-rounded and the characters do become your friends, and you get to know them. And I think that's kind of refle- reflected in the the kind of fandom that this game has. Like it's it's quite it's quite a popular it's quite a popular game for um, fan works. I think the yeah. ensemble cast kind of lends itself to that very well. Um, there's drama. There's so much to this game that and. I think as well, there were lots of comments about the music. It's probably worth mentioning that there are two music CDs based on this game that you should probably check out mm-hmm. if you get the chance. There's one that's um, um, an orchestral version of lots of popular songs in the game and then there's one that's like a jazz soul version, which is yeah. very cool. You should check them out. But um, <laughs> I always recommend this game to people if they want something with a good story something with good characters and yes it does have its sort of problems but if you immerse yourself in the logic of the game, suspend your disbelief for a lot of the story, (laughs) then you're going to have a fantastic experience and I couldn't recommend playing the rest of them um, highly enough.
0: Very good. What about you, Josh, as somebody who's not played the rest of the series just yet, but just on this game alone?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I I would highly recommend this game. I I did end up up loving uh, a large amount of this game. I do agree with you, Ryan, that there are bits of it that do drag on um, and things that could be more elegantly implemented. um, But so much of what I love about Ghost Trick is very present here the animation the, the character designs um, the music especially is really really good um, I yeah if, if you're after a game that isn't about shooting hun- shooting hundreds of people in the head and is more about taking uh, mechanics uh, uh, and using them for a more mundane situation but transforming that mundane situation into an exciting uh, and thrilling experience then i would absolutely uh, recommend uh, checking out uh, phoenix right and i i will at some point check out the rest of the series
0: Excellent. Yeah, those are three hearty recommendations then. Probably comes as hardly a surprise at all after the praise that we gave the game throughout the entire podcast. All right, I guess it just leaves it up to me, Ryan, to thank Josh and Susan. And uh, Susan, if people want to read more of what you have to say, where can they do that?
1: Um, you can check me out over at readyup.net. And we're um, a whole team of people with very fun and varied opinions about games. We also run a regular podcast, so you should check that out too
0: excellent uh thanks for joining us again it was it's always a pleasure to have new voices on the podcast
1: (laughs) thank you for having me
0: all right so that wraps up our show for today but next time in issue 206 it's hipsters versus zombies in sunset overdrive see you next time